and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, Role-Playing Edition, the show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. And in this case, it'll be role-playing topic. It'll be it'll be a role-playing topic. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week, Chris is challenging me on my desire to be able to plan my wizard spell use out during an adventuring day. Is this a reasonable request? Yes. End of show. <laughs> But he's also making the topic a little bit broader by talking about player expectations in any given session. (laughs) So I guess we'll still do a show and we'll see how it goes. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gifted Games in Grace Lake. You can find them at thegiftedgames.com. Also, a huge thank you to all of our other patrons. Uh, If we've had new patrons this week, I don't know because I haven't checked my email, which also means all the people who (laughs) responded to their winning entry last week, I owe you something. But in my defense, I've been doing the single parenting thing for the last two weekends, and that's a lot of work. Also, join our Zoom live audience. (laughs) 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 Tabletopgames.com slash live. But first, I want to welcome back Kitty before I talk about all about me. Kitty, welcome it's back. Welcome back, like, welcome back, Cotter. Welcome back, Cotter. Welcome back, Kitty. You sound like crap. I do. I um. So I've been on vacation. I left for Minnesota, and then we drove through the UP, down through Michigan, stopped for a night in Michigan, drove out through Ohio into Pennsylvania, stopped there for a couple days, drove back to Michigan, and here I am, and during that whole time... Didn't realize until today I didn't bring my recorder with me. So I'm recording through my laptop or Zoom. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. I don't know. Maybe my computer is amazing and this will sound great and we won't have to talk about it. And you can edit all this out. Nah, I'll leave it cue in this, anyway. Cue but. the sad horn from uh, The Price is Right. Yeah. So how has your vacation been? You haven't been. This is. It's been a month since you've talked to us. Yeah, you know, it's weird going on this kind of vacation because I'm a stay-at-home mom most of the time, and I take my children on vacation, so vacation doesn't really feel like that much of a vacation when we're staying at places where, like, I have to cook all the meals and, you know, take care of my children, so it's just like (laughs) I I moved venues for my life for a while, but it's been fun. We've been staying with some relatives, getting some help, um... It's just My a change husband scenery. and son have been catching so much fish. We've got like pounds and pounds and pounds of fish that we're bringing home. Um, yeah, so it's been a nice time. We got to see a lot of family. It's been nice. I. It's. But if you fun. hear toilets yeah. flushing, yeah, everyone is flushing toilets above my head. So I don't know if that's coming through on the uh, recording. <laughs> You know something? On your laptop mic, it should pick up everything you hear. Every little sound will hear it. Because it's just not as good as our normal mic. Great. <laughs> so you're hearing everything, but you're not seeing the fact that I'm sitting in front of like a real stone wall that looks like I'm being held hostage. It like I really do look like I need to be rescued by SEAL Team Six. Liam Neeson. Actually, yeah. No, we've all he, been. He's gonna have to throw punches because- way to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been desensitized because it just looks like a Zoom background, and there's no depth of field to it. It looks like a virtual background, but like I could touch it. It does. It's a real. Yeah. Christopher Dong says, "Do you have a copy wall. of today's newspaper?" <laughs> <laughs> Who has a copy of a newspaper? That would be even weirder than not That's having true. it. <laughs> Hold up an iPad with today's Apple News on it. Don't don't you? Don't I don't have do that. that either. But if every. Everyone who's listening <laughs> on the podcast form, if you're like, wait a minute, why are they talking about things I can't see? It's because you're not in our live audience. TabletopGameTalk.com slash live. 8.30s Central Monday nights. 9.30 Eastern times where Kitty is right now. Except well, that now it's 10. Because <laughs> we talked with our live audience for half an hour. You should be here. <laughs> well, they were entertaining. It was, there was, it's always entertaining. And I always feel bad starting the show. I'm like, <sighs> I have to start the show, darn it. So, yeah, sometimes that happens. Let's see. Uh, Fletcher, have you been doing anything interesting since last we spoke seven days ago? Um, Not really. I've been doing the single dog owner thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not as intense. Uh, Carmen was away on her bachelorette party, and she had a good time. So it was just me home alone uh, with a dog. So Yeah. That's actually why I'm alone 
Sydney left on Thursday morning, early, early Thursday morning, to go to the East Coast, I believe, New Hampshire, someplace in New England, um, for a. You don't know what state she's in? <laughs> I don't know. I've been, Zachary keeps saying, Zachary's like, where's mommy? I'm like, she's in Virginia. She's in Virginia? Yeah, she's in Virginia. It's like, okay. And then and she's like, Wisconsin? No, well, sure, she's in Wisconsin. It doesn't matter. Because last weekend she was in Wisconsin for a few days. But we went actually up to see her then. And so she gets back tonight. When I get done recording, she should be walking in the door. But he's every morning I walk in there, he looks at me. He's like, where's mommy? And I'm like, what's my name? Daddy, but where's mommy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, ah, fine. (laughs) But he's been he's been great. And basically what I've been doing is I I just I'm like, all right, they're mine. I love it. I am taking away all distractions, no podcasts, no games, no anything. If they're awake and I'm with them, I'm just hanging out with them because they're both at these ages where they're just doing crazy new things all the time. And it's just a blast. But it means I haven't gotten a lot of gaming in. And the YouTube channel has been uh, slacking quite a bit because I'm like, okay. I could do this, but then they're sleeping, and there's a zillion other things I want to do, and one of them is sleep. So, yeah. I'll get back on that. Sleeping is very important. It's something that I really realized when I was uh, hanging out in hotel rooms with all of us in one room. I'm like, please, everyone sleep, sleep, please sleep, sleep. Yeah. Well, (laughs) normally Sydney handles the morning, so if I sleep in, she's like, she has it, but now I can't sleep in. And I'm not used to going to bed early. So it's like, all right, I have to be able to get up at least at 7 a.m. But this morning it was it was 5.55 when Becca decided that she wanted her bottle. So I went downstairs, got her a bottle, handed her a bottle, and then went back to bed for an hour and a half. Um, I'm like, you're fine now. But yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's me. Father of the year. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> and just turn on the TV. Put a bottle in her face and let the TV work. Call it good. We're good. So, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It just, yeah, like I said, I've been, but I did Here's play. Here's some matches. <laughs> I did play Ares Expedition, which is the new Terraforming Mars card game. And I will say, I still don't like Terraforming Mars, but I really <laughs> like Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. This, I, I really like this game. Now, if you like Terraforming Mars, it's one of your favorite games ever, just don't play this because you already have your favorite game ever. But if you want to play your favorite game ever in a fraction of the time and it plays just like oh Race of the Galaxy. Stop negging the audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, all the reviews that I've seen that are bad for it are ones that are like, oh, this is not Terraforming Mars. I hate it. No, it's not Terraforming Mars. It's a, it's a different game. It just has the same name. But I really did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I played it once with Sydney. I played it once solo. And I'm looking forward to playing it a few more times. Um, I also started an Arkham Horror campaign because I'm like, I can do this solo. And I've played exactly one scenario in the last week and a half. And I'm eventually going to complete it. So, ah. <sighs> Uh, Christopher Dong asks, is it too much like Race for the Galaxy? My response is the same that I just posted on BGG, which is why I was late to our live show. (laughs) It's only by three minutes. Um, It is not Terraforming Mars. It is not Race for the Galaxy. Both of those games are fine to me. I don't like either of them. I really like Ares Expedition. So I think it's not like Race for the Galaxy. It's not like Terraforming Mars. It has the theme... Of Terraforming Mars, it has the action selection of Race for the Galaxy, and somehow the two combine to make a more interesting game for me. Am I going to argue with people who like the other two better? No. I I think both of those games are amazing. They've been amazing for a long time. And if you like what those games do, you're going to like those. But if you like eh on both of those, try Ares Expedition, because I'm eh on both of those, and Ares Expedition is is a much more fun game for me. So that's our review segment. For tabletop game talk, which <laughs> we're gonna bring, we're gonna doesn't bring back. Doesn't normally happen. Um, doesn't normally happen. No, we almost never talk about actual games. That's ridiculous. All right, but this is the role playing edition, so let's talk about role playing games. And Kitty, a month ago when we last talked, you said <laughs> something at the end of that episode that I just could not get out of my head. But I couldn't talk to you about it because you're on vacation. And I couldn't talk to you about games on vacation. That is just 
you know, that's an invasion of your vacation, talking about games and stuff. So vacation an invasion. topic on this vacation invasion. And do you I, I put it in the intro, but do you recall exactly what you said that that triggered me? It was something about short rests versus long rests and being able to use my spells and how I can plan a day as an adventurer, being able to use my spells or something along those lines. Something along those lines. I think also you said you said like uh, you would be underpowered if you didn't get to like rest. I remember Chris reacting strongly to that. Yep. I think the the main thing was I want to be able to know what spells I should hold back and which spells I should use because I should know how many encounters I have and you know essentially when is the big encounter when is it a minor encounter. And if I were a better podcast producer, I would go back and I would edit in the clip. Insert the clip here, Chris. No. (laughs) But, well, now I might. I don't know. We'll see. Um, (laughs) I also have, oh, I've also been crazy busy at work. And I have an 8 a.m. call tomorrow. So I have to edit this and post this and sleep and wake up. And it's like a two and a half hour long, like super important 8 a.m. phone call. Um, But anyway, that's the point. But I might insert the clip anyway. So <laughs> this this got me thinking about player expectations. And Kitty, you seem to have a desire. And I'm not saying this is wrong or anything. I just want to set the stage. That if you, you have a certain amount of limited resources as a player, especially as a wizard, I have a certain number of spell slots. Do I cast the fireball the first time I see a bunch of goblins? Or do I save that third level spell slot for something else because there might be something worse around the corner? Because if I cast it now, I won't have that around the corner. And to you, being able to know whether or not you should cast that fireball feels like it's it's that's what you want, right? You want to be able to plan out when is the optimal time to use my resources. Yes. Okay. Don't elaborate on it. Just say yes. That's perfect. <laughs> you felt like you had something else to say. I'm holding on to no. my... I've got a lot to say. I'm holding it. Okay. All right. She's holding it like she's holding her spells in combat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Should I use these? I don't know. So me, as a DM, is thinking life doesn't work that way. Like, the whole idea is that you're surprised and you have to deal with the, you know... Deal with it as you come, and you don't know what's going to happen in the future. You need to make a decision in the right now. But then I started looking inwards at myself. And I'm like, is this just me as the DM who wants to control everything? Because really, let's face it, that's why you're a DM. You're a control freak. Um, But it works for me. And so I wanted to explore this. Like, I don't think you are wrong for wanting what you want. But I do want to explore the concept of... If players know what's going to come up, does that lessen something or does it increase something? So before Kitty, you answer, Fletcher, your thoughts as a player, do you want to know that there's a certain structure? You know, in a particular adventuring day, you're going to have small encounter, small encounter, minor encounter, you know, major encounter, small encounter, boss encounter. That's going to be your adventuring day. Um, Is that something you care about? I think... I don't. I wouldn't mind knowing, but also I think it's fine if I don't. Uh, when I've played, you know, this is particularly more of like a spellcaster kind of a problem, not so much a fighter because it doesn't really matter what you're facing because you're just going to run up and hit it anyway. Yeah. Not um, in fifth edition. In fourth edition, it did matter because everyone had yeah. But in fifth edition, yes, you, this would be more of a caster limited resource problem but think healing potions or limited charges on magic items like it could apply to more than just a yeah. casting class what i realized is like i because I, I wanted to hold back in the beginning too because it's like oh but this is just like you know there's just four goblins i don't know if i want to waste this on on this goblin here when i could when i could use it later and then what would eventually happen is i wouldn't use it all that session because i'd just be waiting until like the next bad thing um but instead i decided uh, you know what i want to do i want to have fun and if i feel like this is a good time to use it and i'm just not just like wasting it then i'm gonna go ahead and and you know use that healing potion use that special ability cast that spell whatever and that's what i like to do all right kitty your turn so i think fletcher kind of hit on a little bit where like 
I want to feel like I get to use my cool stuff. I, but I also don't want to feel like I'm wasting my cool stuff. I only get so many cool things in a day that I get to do. And I want to make them count. So when I'm in an encounter that feels on the line of like, is this worth using my resource or not? Is this worth like, Fireball isn't a great example because Fireball, I just hold on to until I see a cluster of enemies. Whenever there's a cluster (laughs) of enemies, it is a good time to Fireball. But something like I have this thing that I really want to do. I'm a wizard, but I have Shadow Blade as a spell and I have Blink and I have Mage Armor and Mirror Image. I just have this really fun idea of this little gnome wizard. It's almost like Nightcrawler, where I like pop in and out of existence and just move around planes, and I get to like pop around the battlefield dealing damage. But D&D isn't made to do that. There's not a lot of encounters where it makes sense for me to be able to do that. So when I see an encounter where I can do it, I want to do it. But if it's not a big enough encounter, it doesn't seem like a good use of my spell slots because it takes like three spell slots just to pull this off, not including mage armor, which I cast at the beginning of every day because that's what mages do. So I don't know. It's just it's really frustrating as a player to know that there's sort of a formula that I need to hold off because there's going to be a big battle at some point but not know exactly what the formula is because DMs love to mess with you. I agree with that last sentence. Yes. Actually, just the, last, <laughs> the last sentence after the comma. I agree with all that. DMs do love to mess with you. And, and again, I don't necessarily disagree with that. And that's why this episode is titled Player Expectation. Because part of being a good game master, good dungeon master is trying to accommodate the player's expectations as much as you can, but also throwing twists and monkey wrenches in there every once in a while to break that formula. Because if I just did the same thing every time, it would actually become boring pretty quickly, right? It's like, all right, I know in the first two encounters, I should just use my cantrips because I can cast those infinitely. On the third encounter, that one's going to have a little bit harder, so I'll use a third-level spell. But man, when that fifth encounter comes, then I can unload and I can do all of these things. And that's fun the first time. And maybe the second time. Possibly the third time. And then it just becomes repetitive. And it's not as much interesting anymore, right? When you are able to do this gnome blinking shadow blade death murder chant <laughs> ritual thing, you are going to remember it forever because I'm only going to let it happen once. <laughs> <laughs> have you done so, it yet successfully? I think you, I think you've done it like once. I have never successfully pulled off the blink. Because they need to be able to cast it. It's just like there's a lot of casting time. Like there's, it's hard because it's not meant to be used this way. I'm trying to do something that's weird. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it takes a lot of turns to kind of set it up. So I feel like it just needs to be like a really big bad guy. And I need to just hold on to it for that. But the problem with that is prepared spells. And I have to know what I need to prepare at the beginning of the day. And if I've prepared blink every day for like forever, at some point, it just becomes like, I need to do this. Like, it's stupid (laughs) to do it. And then the one day I don't prepare it is going to be the day where it's like, oh, my gosh, this was my moment. And I won't have it ready. And it, you know, it's just it's just part of being a wizard is you have to make choices. And it's part of the game. And, you know. When we talk about this, like, it's not a real-life simulator. We're not playing The Sims. I don't have to go make myself dinner. I don't have to use the bathroom. There's things that just are hand-waved. It's it's a game, and it should be fun. And as long as we're all having fun, then, like, it's working. Yeah. But my goal as the Game Master... Or a dungeon master. Again, dungeon master is to frustrate Kitty as much as possible. (laughs) No. That is Chris's personal goal. That's his human goal, (laughs) not his DM goal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is just a that's just a joy I get. But 
my goal is to make sure everybody, all of the players are having fun. Now, they don't have to be able to do everything they want to do every particular round. And Fletcher, quite honestly, you are absolutely the easiest player at the table. <laughs> I know. Period. I, I give you we some special to go and play. stab it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's totally fine. I'm just a rogue with no magical stuff at all. I'm just like, okay, yeah. well, I'm just, I guess I'm going to run over here and stab this thing. Yeah, I'll stab this. Or wait a minute, getting close, that, that might hurt. I'll just shoot it instead. Okay, I'll um, shoot it. Or I'm going to stab it, but then I'm going to run away. Yeah. So. So it's like, okay, all right. So you are easy to handle. And this is, so as a DM, this is what I'm thinking, right? So you're easy to deal with. Spencer, Spencer's tricky because <laughs> the what the picture of his character he has in his head is so drastically different than the picture that I think he should have in his head. But I, I, I that doesn't matter what I think he should have in his head, right? He's this, this paladin that's like a vengeance paladin that has no moral code, really, but he thinks he has a moral code. But from the outside looking in, there's really not much of a moral code to it. And I'm just like, okay. I mean, his moral code is kill bad guys. <laughs> exactly. Which is fine. Which is which is great. And he feels bad <laughs> while he does it. Yeah. Somewhat. To be no, sad he doesn't. He, does he kills he... bad guys. <laughs> no, his character does not feel bad killing anything that has been labeled bad. And that's where the moral code <laughs> difference changes. And that's why we had, I don't know, this was like three or four months ago, where we had the entire topic about, you know, should you have should evil creatures, should there be moral dilemmas in a role-playing game in general? Um, but that's fine. Spencer's still fine because he will make his own fun, right? Hey, levitate <laughs> me. I'm going to spin around in the circle and axe kill everything, and it's going to be all great. Cast all your spells on me. Sydney is pretty easy because she just wants to do the craziest thing possible and as long as i can is that easy let her ride <laughs> well sure she's like i want to ride my grandfather's shell down the stairs to hit the dudes at the bottom like i want to pull right, a legolas I... at <laughs> exactly Deep. exactly can i do that yeah um for those who are wondering like yes she is a turtle but you have to roll an so 18 is... <laughs> exactly she's a turtle person <laughs> and you're gonna and, and her it's sh- gonna fail <laughs> yeah her shield is her grandfather's shell and so that's that's how that works there kitty you are my most challenging person because you are a the rules lawyer b the <laughs> optimizer and c the freaking wizard and the wizard's always complicated <laughs> But I still want you to have fun and have, like, your moment in the sun, right? Like, we had the conversation about your magic missile wand, right? Well, it's boring. All right, it is boring, but it's such a powerful (laughs) artifact. So I get it. It's boring. That's not something we should focus on. So this is why – this whole thing is just trying to figure out a way of making you That's why I was like, give me – if you think it's boring, then give it to me because I'll use the hell out of it. (laughs) Exactly. So, See, and but that's like you get your said, cool moments somewhere else. Like you get to do like the traps and you are like the walking ahead of the party proceeding. You like have your special place to do things. My special things are blow stuff up. So if you give me a wand yeah. of like no, sort of blow stuff of up. Troglodytes. <laughs> yeah. That's the fun your part special- for me is like I get to do cool stuff with magic. And, like, if you give me a wand to, like, do okay stuff with magic, it's just not as exciting. (laughs) See, and here's the thing. Because we've been doing all of our games online, and you're a gnome who automatically gets minor (laughs) illusion for free, your cool thing (laughs) is just speaking in giffies. Like, (laughs) that is how I know your character is, you know, he's just, you don't really say much. And all of a sudden, these giffies roll up, and I'm just—I'm just assuming that your wizard is making these things appear in the air, and <laughs> that by itself is cool. I love it. It's like the robot and Flubber. Yes. Do you remember? Did anyone remember that movie? Just me. Okay, yeah. you're nodding. Yeah, cool. with Robin Williams, <laughs> the, yeah. the new one, not the one from the '60s. The one from the '60s. Is the the new one, one is like 30 years old. Is sad. Yeah, I know. I just thought about that. I'm like the new one. Uh, I guess the new one's from like 1998. 
All right, so I so have, I have a new question. plan, and I'm just turning okay. into Rob, where my new plan is we should just kill off my old character, and I get to play my new character, which is going to be a wacky bard. But we can't have a party with two bards, so I don't know, maybe talk Sydney into also letting you murder her character. I don't know. <laughs> so to refer back to the Rob reference, uh, way back, this was years ago when we actually played in person, one of our players just loved trying new things all the time. So I worked with him on a pretty regular basis to find ways of mutating or killing off and recreating (laughs) his character as we were going through the campaign. Because I had no problem with doing that. So every few months, something would change about his character until he found one that he really liked. And we kind of stuck with that one for a while. But he liked finding different ways of breaking the game. Now, I I am wondering, and for both of you, player expectations... And this is this actually kind of relates to the Rob thing, right? His expectation was he wanted to play in a campaign, but he didn't want to be tied to a single character. So I was more than happy to work with him on that. Would you guys be willing to... I don't, I don't know how to phrase this. I, I think stage, setup, arrange, arrange. Maybe arrange. A, like, so Kitty, you want to be able to do this blink around the battlefield and kill stuff thing, right? This is This is something you want to do. Now that I know that, I can create <laughs> encounters that can facilitate that kind of thing. I, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do it. It just means that, okay, I know there's a certain thing that you want to do, so I can try to give you opportunities to make that happen. It's not like, here it is, ringing the bell, cast those spells type of thing. It's just like, okay, this is available. Does that lessen your enjoyment? If I'm like, okay... There are five big bads or medium bads around this encounter. They're all spread out. Fireball's not going to work. Fletcher's just running and hiding because, oh, ouchie, any of them can hurt me. You know, <laughs> what? The spinning, the spinning acts of them can hurt death. me, they can hurt her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Doesn't so much work. squishier than he is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But would that be something that you would find fun in? Or if it's too set up, does it also lessen? that enjoyment depends on if it makes sense in the story if it makes sense in the story if we have this campaign going on where this scenario is woven in then it doesn't bother me but if it feels like okay kitty here you go i built this encounter for you you walk into (laughs) a room and here it is no that's not fun um and i trust you to you know make these things work it it does feel more fun if i can just make it happen but like that's not how the game works like the players only have so much control and you have to have like you have to trust the dm and like it it is a cooperative game in some ways between player and dm because you know it's something we don't talk about very often with D is like the dm can just win if the goal is player versus dm they can kill you anytime they want. And then the dragon shows up and it eats you all. Ha ha ha, I win. Like, <laughs> But that's not the game. The game is to build a world and a story and to have fun together. And as long as it still feels like that, it doesn't feel like pandering to me, then yeah, I don't care if you made the encounter so I could do the thing I wanted to do, as long as it doesn't feel like you're patting me on the head like a toddler. (laughs) So I'm going to agree with everything you said, and then I'm going to disagree with you. (laughs) On one thing, the characters have limited control. I agree with that. The players have more control than the character. So, and by that, what I mean is, if the player, if any particular player says, hey, I am more interested in this kind of thing over that kind of thing, that will have a direct influence on the game. If your character, you know, no make illusion, is running around and saying and whining in in character about, man, I just want to like blink around and kill things, that character is going to become known for the whiny make blinkerson. And now I need a that's my next character is whiny make <laughs> But so the character and, and that's that's kind of the separation, right? So the character, and it can be a running joke. And actually, it can be hilarious for the whole group, except for Kitty, because she doesn't like fun. But 
There's a there's literally a T-shirt for this someplace. Kitty doesn't love like like fun, but like the fact that you're a gnome wizard who's learned all these things, and I just want to do one thing in my entire life. This is all I want to be able to do, and once I'm able to do it, I can retire with all the gold I've made along the way. That is a funny, interesting character moment. But if the player really wants it, that becomes something different. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I I think you might have kind of convinced me on this like this is something i want to do it's not something my character has like been built to do it's not my character's motivation like my character is intensely curious and wants to keep learning it doesn't make sense for her as a character to like become really focused on pulling off this one sick combo like that's not the kind of character she is that's me but I'm not an adventurer, so you know, like, <laughs> you know we, have, we have to separate these things at some point. And um, but I don't think I I play the game like uh, oh, this is my one thing I want to do, and I'm constantly disappointed if I can't. Like this just came up at a conversation because we have a podcast. I don't think if we yeah. hadn't been talking podcast wise that. I would have been upset about this or I would have tried to work it into the campaign and been disappointed if it never happened. It's just because we were talking about like, it's the way I think about my spell slots and how I use them. Um, You know, when we really dive into these conversations, it's interesting as like podcast hosts versus people who play a game together. Like where is the communication barrier there? I don't know. I think the fact that we do the podcast makes the communication between, especially the three of us, way better. Mm-hmm. And we can actually, maybe the next episode is basically just how to talk as a group about what you want out of the game. Because it's really, really easy. Especially, so our group consists of me and my wife and Kitty and her husband and Fletcher, who's the fifth wheel. And awesome. <laughs> I'm the spare. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not a space saver spare. I'm a full size. Yeah. Or spare. we just like you <laughs> so <laughs> much that we don't care that you're not married to any of us. Yeah, that's it's totally fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but the thing is we I can it's very, very easy for me to make assumptions about what you guys want and like because I've known you all for so long. And it's very, very easy for you guys to just be like, all right, Chris got this because he's been DMing our groups for so long. And you almost forget to have these kinds of conversations. But they're very helpful for me. Like, they're super helpful to me. And, you know, Spencer, Spencer's not here with us today because recording issues and problems and vacations <laughs> and all of that. But, like, Spencer he's hanging out with his does. Mommy. <laughs> yeah. He GMs the vampire game. And I have I have mentioned to him directly, but it's actually really, really com- – it's hard to have these kind of conversations where it's like, I don't enjoy Vampire. I don't enjoy the game. I don't enjoy the system. I don't enjoy the campaign. I don't like anything about it except for the people I'm even, playing. Even Spencer. <laughs> Spencer's I don't like Spencer. Right. He kind of smells bad. Like, he does. He's just he's, – ah. Oh. It's just whiskey breath all the time with that one. But <laughs> Kitty's like, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> but but the thing is, if I don't have that conversation with him about what I like or don't like, it doesn't get better for any of us. But it's also an awkward conversation to have with your friends saying, hey, I this game is really important to you. And that's the most important thing to me is to, is to have fun – like that you're having fun and the rest of the group is having fun. Like that is more important to me than whether or not, you know, I, I enjoy the system or the, or the genre of the game, but it's also really hard to talk to your really, really close friends like that. And if I was in a random group, you just ghost them. You just stop showing up. Right. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Stop going to organize oh, yeah. play. If you don't like the people at the table, when you're in a close friend group, it's a much more complicated thing to have these conversations. So I like the fact that you said something offhanded a month ago and that that really stuck with me. And my first reaction was, no, Kitty's wrong. And my second reaction was, but she's not because this is what she (laughs) as a player 
is looking forward and this is how she has fun. And who am I to say, no, that's the wrong kind of fun. And then to not just stop there, but now we're forced to have this whole conversation for at least an hour. Because (laughs) there's something nice. Everyone should start a podcast as long as you don't compete directly with us. Um, Highly recommend it. The people you enjoy talking to, you know, make a commitment to spend time talking to them. It brings out a lot of topics and it's really fun. And I was trying to explain to people what a podcast is all week. So (laughs) (sighs) I, so I will say in the past couple of weeks, I mentioned at the top of the show, I haven't had a lot of time to spend on games and, you know, I I really want to spend a lot of time on the YouTube channel and all of that. All of that fell away as I had different priorities. And there have been, we're at 248 episodes. In two episodes, that's our 250th episode. I haven't actually thought about doing anything special for it, but we should probably at least mention that we're doing, you know, 250 episodes. That's a quarter of a thousand for who those who want to do fractions. (laughs) 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 But there have been times where I'm like, you know something? I think, I think I'm done doing the podcast. It's a lot of work every week. I have to set this up every every Monday night. I, I procrastinate till two a.m. before I do the final edit, just <laughs> you know, to put this out. It's it's a lot of work, and then I think, but it's I love games. I love talking about them, and I and I honestly I do this all the time. I like I love talking about games. That 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 is not a problem. But if we didn't have the podcast, I wouldn't talk to you two almost ever. Like, without, like, a routine thing, because Fletcher works at a different place. Kitty, you live hours away at this point. Like, we're, we'll always be close friends, but that regular cadence is important. And that's why the D&D game, to bring it back to role-playing as the role-playing topic, that's one of the most important things about the D&D campaign, is being able to get together as a group. And we usually get together and the first half hour of any of our quote unquote gaming sessions. At least. <laughs> at least is just talking. <laughs> and I do that on purpose. Like I get some people like, let's just get to the game. We don't have a lot of time to play. It's like, we'll get to the game. We'll, we'll play. And I love it. Except when you guys start talking shop and me and Sydney just tune out. <laughs> and at some point we were like, have you tried thread up? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh couple weeks ago was bad (laughs) yes but having those you guys were all taking some sort of coding test (laughs) (laughs) there was a coding test involved (laughs) but having those conversations and getting together as a group as friends and having that scheduled time even though we don't work together anymore even though we don't live together anymore that is one of the things that really makes role-playing games shine now yes could we get together and play terraforming mars every other friday sure it would not be nearly as enjoyable. But we could do that. But role-playing games allow us to just put our personality into it. It allows us to see Grumpy Kitty, who's just too tired and, you know, has to... <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't be happy. I'm just gonna, and, I like, I love all of that. And as a DM, I want to make sure that you guys are always having fun. And if that means meeting your expectations and actively having these kinds of conversations, that's awesome. And if you are a DM and you are working with your group, you don't have to start a podcast to have these conversations. <laughs> you can simply say, and, and this is this is actually really hard. How do I ask for feedback, right? Fletcher, are you having fun with the game? Yes. Yes. All right. Kitty, do you like the, the adventure we're going on? Yes. Sydney, what do you think about the night? And her response is, it was so much fun. Oh, my God. Spencer. I was really hoping she'd just, like, pop into the room. I thought you could see <laughs> her know. and we couldn't. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> but that would be her response. She's always having so it would much be fun. Her... She's just always so yeah. excited to be there. Yeah. So, and that doesn't actually provide a lot of feedback to me. It means, okay, everyone's happy doing what they're doing. But... Spencer actually does this more than anyone else. He will be like, hey, I'm interested in following this storyline or doing this thing. And for him, so it makes it a lot easier to work with. Now, he hasn't done it for this because I think for the most part, he's he's fine with his, what his character's doing and he's, he's okay with it. But <laughs> if any of you 
and I'm talking to all of you, want to have some kind of storyline for your character, just tell me. And for all of you out there who may DM or play in a game and you want to have a storyline for your character, tell your DM. It's so I think much I'm starting easier. to do that with my character because I was like, I wanted a I was like, I want a really cool weapon. And you're like, okay, like there's a weapon shop here and you let me buy like a legendary weapon essentially for like pretty much nothing. But I, it doesn't really do anything. It's just kind of like a plus one weapon, but you're like, you need to use it more, learn more about it. Because it makes it so much easier for me. If I know what is going to make the game more fun for you, then it's like, oh, I don't have to guess. Now, I, I will still throw my own spin on it, right? I want a cool weapon, right. fine. You accidentally buy a magic item, like a, you know, straight up, I would have plus one whatever in this magic shop. Oh, there's something more going on with this thing. Now it becomes yeah. something that's intriguing. It's a mystery. I do feel like Chris is trying to trick us into playing an entire party of multi at multi-class warlocks. <laughs> like, I, I don't know... That that's what's happening, but that's what it feels like is happening, and I'm not falling for it. <laughs> so, and, and this was so early on in the campaign. I essentially dangled in in game the option for someone for any of the characters to kind of pledge their allegiance to this voice that was whispering just, in the NPC's ear. Just take a level in Warlock. Yeah, no problem. No, I did not know whether or not you would bite at it or not. But I'm like, I'm just going to dangle it out there. If you bite, great. I'll figure out what that means. If you don't, okay, fine. But it was amazing to me how adamantly against any concept of this was for everyone. You're like, absolutely. Whatever this is, is, it's maniacal evil. We must avoid it at all costs. I'm really surprised that Sydney didn't take it. Because that seems more like her. I was against it. Not because it was maniacal or evil. It does I was seem more like her. I don't Just like multi-class. Running into, running into, <laughs> and a, I could see what you were trying a room to do. or experience head first. <laughs> yeah, I I honestly expected her to take it with without hesitation, but she's like, no, no, right? no not nope. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm all shocked. right, cool. Yeah, now she did it with the magical that, ring. <laughs> she's like, oh, what's there is a magical <laughs> put it on. <laughs> yep. You find out you can't that's remove much more it. <laughs> yeah, but those are the kinds of things that are fun. It's like I just I present these options, and you guys decide whether or not you're going to take them or not. But the options I present can be influenced by the player's desires, right? Now, you know, satisfying the blink assassin that's actually not that complicated <laughs> to do. So I take that into consideration. It's like okay. This is something that's going to be fun for Kitty. It's not necessarily something her character is, is seeking out. But there are ways that I can add my own twist to this to make it something that's fun for everyone involved. Because literally setting up an encounter that is set up like, hey, these people are standing exactly this, your blink distance away <laughs> from each other. And they're all slightly shaded. And, you know, sure that I could set that up, but that's not as interesting as giving you a situation, the the Black Dragon situation. Recap here. There, This is the prologue. No. Uh, what's the preface? The preface adventure, right? This is the before anything else. And the big bad for this adventure was a Black Dragon at the bottom of this dungeon. Oh, this was early on. And, oh, very early on. And you discover there's a Black Dragon there hanging out on an island. And you plan for a real life hour on how to approach this dragon. <laughs> and you go in and you alpha strike this dragon where it has no chance whatsoever. It dies within six seconds. It made some poor rolls. Now, it made some I, poor I think, rolls. I think we actually like took it out in like three, not three turns, but like three <laughs> rounds. Yes. In three rounds. So basically 18 seconds, you slay the dragon. Now, is this a failed encounter on my part? No. Is it an unfun encounter? No. You guys spent a significant amount of time scouting out, figuring out what this thing was, planning your attack, and the attack succeeded. Also made some bad rolls. You guys made some good rolls. But ultimately, it was a cooperative thing to say, okay, this is how we're going to take this thing out. Now, this happens a lot if I allow you to know what the big bad is coming up. Xanathar, in our last adventure, he's floating around in the city, 
And you guys could have gone out, encountered him, potentially taken him out, but you're like, nah, we're just going to stay inside of here and we won't worry about it and see what happens. Now, Kitty accuses me of planning this whole thing. None of it was planned. I set up a situation. You guys made decisions which caused certain things to happen. Like, I hadn't pre-planned that. It's just like, well, these things make sense. And so I am a player in this game. And as situations arise to me, I, I, I make choices, but it just made sense at the time for Xanathar to enslave you. Like that just made the right, you know, that was the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kitty Googles it and it's like, oh, you cast this on. It's like, uh, did I? Okay. And she's still, Kitty, you still don't believe I didn't plan all that ahead of time. I mean, I, I don't think you planned for it to go the way we did it, obviously, because you were very like, really? You, you, <laughs> you do what? Um, I would have been like that either way, but yes. <laughs> but I, I do think, you know, you, you had built the world in which this happened and you had ideas of like, if we did certain things, what would happen? And I, I do think that you kind of had an outcome in mind but how we got there could go a few ways. It almost feels like um, the open world storybook, Alba, where like, you know, yeah. the, the chapter was always going to end how the chapter was going to end. But how the chapter was written could go a few different ways. And I think we chose like a really weird option to get there from your point of view. But from our point of view, it was like, well, this is just what makes sense. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Like, um, I, the only I think goal we all had I fun. Have. Yeah. Well, and, and that's that's the important part, right? And and I think it was memorable. Because the only goal I oh, had yeah. <laughs> in that particular thing was at the end of this adventure, because I knew that we were going to be splitting up for, or not playing again for like several weeks. At the end of this particular encounter or scenario or day, this is like that session, the end of that session, there had to be a logical to be continued point. That was the only thing in my head that I knew I had to get to. I set up a situation where you could have had combat, where you you could have. I, I actually I literally did not expect you to hide, but you did. Um, but also, <laughs> I set up a situation where it didn't stop you from doing essentially anything you wanted to do. And the marks that obligated you to Xanathar, which is this beholder mob boss, that was completely made up on the spot. And this is behind – so peeking behind the curtain, that's the, the downside to a podcast where you're talking about stuff. Because peeking behind the curtain, <laughs> it, it's – yeah. I, I want all of you to DM at some point so you can understand what it is to do that. But at that point, it's like that just was the thing that made the most sense to me. And I, I – when authors talk about writing character, oftentimes I hear people – or authors talk about they don't know what the characters are going to do until the situation's presented. They're talking and acting through that character. That's how I DM. I don't know what Xanathar is going to do until I'm presented with a situation that he needs to decide to do something. And that goes for all of the characters and all of the situations that are happening. Yes, I can create those situations, but the players really change things so much. And that just is what made sense at that time. So I'm not saying I made it up whole cloth. I did not. It was you guys did things or I something happened in the city. You guys made choices. Things happened. And those choices led to a situation where this is the thing that makes sense. I think sometimes we talk a lot about players as being the role players and the DM is doing something differently. But it's not. You are also playing a role. You are just playing multiple roles. You are playing all the NPCs, the bad guys, and the world in some ways. And they are not that dissimilar from the characters. You're just maybe taking on more depending on the situation. So, you know, I really applaud the way that you did that. Like you took on the role and you are playing a character just the way we are. And it, I think that there can be this kind of negative adversarial component to the way we talk about D&D. And it's not necessarily even the way people who talk that way play. It just can be sometimes. So... Um, so good job. You need to go on vacation more often. That was one of the nicest things you've ever said to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you just needed a break. It's from a good Chris. thing Spencer doesn't listen to the podcast. Don't tell him I said anything nice about you. Uh, I, I, I'll keep it a secret. Um, but, <laughs> but it is a hundred. Like I like the way you say that. Is like yes, I am also role playing. I'm not 
setting up a story that you guys it's not so when you do like a choose your own adventure it's pre-written i am not pre-writing the story i am pre-planning the events that are happening in the world the story happens as we play and that's a huge difference now that's not every you know if i'm doing a pre-run or pre-gen adventure or module or something like that that's it's a little different there but when i get to do my own campaigns that's how that works um, I wanted, so I put a couple other notes in the topics and we're running a little short on time, but there's one question I did want to throw out there that I'm curious about your takes on. And Fletcher, I'm going to start with you. Your most memorable, I, I, I don't think that's an actual word, but your most memorable moments in a role playing game, are they the successes or the failures that you had to overcome? Like, what is more interesting? Is success really that interesting or is failing like more interesting? I think they can both be the same amount of interesting because you can, you can obviously succeed in a really spectacular, really awesome way. And you can also fail in a very spectacular and very (laughs) awesome way. And you can just be like, no, like what a terrible failure. Like, like this is, this is terrible. You know, at the time it's like, I don't know at the time it's just, it's just awful, but you will think back on that moment and, you know, hopefully it'll help develop your character a little bit, but same thing with the successes. So I think they can both be the same, honestly. What do you think, Kitty? I mean, a lot of my most memorable moments are like a mix. It, I don't think that when you play, it's all successes and all failures. Sometimes it is a success that turns into a failure or a failure that turns into a success. It's it's the it's the fun of not knowing what's going to happen that makes the moments interesting, I guess. Which is full circle from the premise of this entire episode. <laughs> and to be fair, when I said what I said, I didn't know you were going to make me revisit it. <laughs> Um, and i still stand by you know it it, just because something is difficult to do and i have to manage when i spend my spell slots doesn't mean that it's not fun to do it's like part of the fun of the game is like this is hard if it was all easy it's not as much fun i i agree and and so the phrase I put in the show notes is excess is success really the goal or should you be able to win D and D and the D and D D and D is an official podcast. It's the uh, dragon talk, the official D and D podcast. And they, their most recent episode was talking about, was talking to Satine Phoenix, who's one of the most um, basically very a celebrity DM as for all practical purposes. And her thing was failure is the interesting part. Success is not. Succeeding at something, that's great. You that's you might talk about that, but probably not if it was just easy all along. If you failed just before you succeeded, that's what's interesting. And one of the things I found interesting in her thing was she builds in failure into her adventures. She's like, I present situations that are not possible to succeed on because failure and overcoming it, the results of that failure are far more interesting than just, you know, okay, you did a great job and you succeeded all the way through this. And while I'm not sure I completely agree with just building in places where you're going to fail all the time, I do agree that failure is interesting. That near death is far more interesting than overwhelming success. The copper-plated room with the flaming skull. That... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is a memorable moment it was awful. because <laughs> it was awful. And 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 one of your comments on it was, well, if I had known that this was going to happen, I would have been, you know, would have ready for this. Or if I'd known this was going to happen, I would have been, you know, closer than 60 feet behind Fletcher when he was going into the room, right? There are ways that you could have optimized that encounter. The fact the count- encounter wasn't optimized is what made it harrowing. Which was made it like put it on the brink, which it made it memorable. 
To be fair, this 60 feet behind thing was more of a technical difficulty than <laughs> a gameplay decision. I'm really bad at moving my character around the map, and Fletcher is often just like, do, 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 do. oh, here I am. Look at me go. I'm like, where? I sh- How? And yeah. So I just use the arrow so keys. Just, there's just that. I, I figured I that out, and I've done better now, but. For a while, okay. there is having issues. Yeah, because I see people like like try to move, like try to click and drag and move, and that takes forever. I just use the arrow yeah. key up, down, left, right. Like here I go. But if you start arrow keying and I don't realize which direction you're going, then I have to like spiral out until I find you. <laughs> so, and I knew all of this was going on. I knew that you were behind because you weren't just you know pressing the arrow keys at the same time Fletcher was, and that's why I started the encounter where I did. That's why I'm like, no, 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 you are where you are on the map. Because that made that encounter interesting. It made it to the point, it's like, oh, we're going to die. You didn't. Had had it been, had it been a TPK, total party kill, you would never stop talking about it in all of your role-playing game history. Which, again, is why I think that failure is, is so much more interesting than success. But also... You can't just kill the group to make it a memorable moment. You have to let them play for about a year and a half and then kill the group. And then it becomes a memorable moment. <laughs> or you kill them off and they all come back as undead, you know, yeah, as servants to the spider queen or something like that. Oh, I, I mean, I think um, you always kill off everyone but one character. Like you have to leave someone to get away to be like, the, we need to start a new party person. But I don't have control my, of my that. Opinion. If you guys... Yeah, if you guys don't run away, I can't control that. Someone needs to run away. But don't worry, Fletcher will always run away. He has no problem with me. Like, oh, what? I'm going to lose. I'm out of here. <laughs> See ya. Just because I can disengage as a free action. <laughs> disengage as a free action and run away. Um, do you want to come back and like loot the bodies after that? No, 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 no. I'm not going back there. But you could, you know, resurrect them. Like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm going to just find a new job. I can see that <laughs> happening. All right. Do you guys have anything else to say on your expectations? This is your chance right now. Open invitation. We are now to cliffhanger in our game. Season one ended. You are now have to track down this drow princess as you are now marked by Xanathar. What are your expectations? Like, what, what would be something that you think would be cool in season two of this campaign. Kitty. I think I've learned that I have no idea what I actually want. And that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Trust the DM. Fletcher, you have an artifact weapon that you don't know anything about. Like what, what do you imagine this thing becoming? Not that it's going to become that. I'm just curious what you are (laughs) thinking in your head. Because whatever you think, it's definitely not going to be that. But I mean, I think that there's going to be like, it's going to be like mostly good, but there's also going to be like some downsides to this weapon. Like I can kind of, I can kind of imagine that it's going to be like, I don't know, really powerful and and it's going to have some, some nice bonuses, but then it's also going to like direct me to attack things that I don't want to attack or... Like, it's going to have a mind of its own in some way, or that I have to use it. Like, I can't use other things. I Like, I, I have it's to wield jealous. this one weapon or something. It's jealous or something. <laughs> because having just, like, a super awesome, like, plus five thing of death that, you know, secretes poison and shoots fireballs. Like, while that's cool, it's not a very interesting. interestingly... It's not, it's not interesting or, like, thematic... It doesn't really add anything to the character. It's just like, here's a super powerful weapon that you get to use. You get a bazooka. Have fun. But if you have to, like, <laughs> move around and, like, navigate some, you know, some downsides, a few downsides for some, for some like, nice upsides, like, that makes it a more interesting thing to, to deal with. All right. Now, again, I don't promise that you're going to get what you want, Kitty, which is not knowing what you want. Or... <laughs> That your weapon's going to be interesting, Fletcher, because I might just make it a plus five bazooka. Because eh. chances you are, you learn more about it, and it's actually a plus one point five weapon. <laughs> yes, it wins ties. <laughs> it wins ties, and that's it. So, 
All right. Well, I this this was a fun topic, and I'm glad the three of us are back together. And next week, Kitty will maybe you sounded Should great. Should have better audio. Show. <laughs> who knows yeah. i doubt it, it. this yeah. chair is so squeaky i'm so sorry for everyone who had to hear my chair squeak well this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna listen to the zoom audio and i'm gonna listen to the audacity audio and we will find out which one sounds better i'm not gonna listen to a lot of it but i will listen to some of it and <laughs> yeah so but that is that is our episode on player expectations um nothing really to announce if you've sent me in I, and i know that at least Three of the five people, possibly four of the five people, did send a response. Um, if you want to know if you won or not, well, just go listen to last week's episode. And I have I definitely have you. I'm not ignoring you. I will get you your games. I have a whole bunch of boxes and bubble wrap uh, upstairs ready to go. But now, Kitty, you are back on the hot seat and doing your talking thing. Tabletop Game Talk is a prime member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in the show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Ann Reynolds, Christopher Letko, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Joe Rackstad, Weatherman Keith, Paul Raymer, Timothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Nicholas Lotz, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason... Rodney, Cindy Loom, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Tong, Faz Slipham, Eric Salander, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Cerselli, Andrew Fayesh, Kamal Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Lightning Steve, Jim Conrad, Dan Seed, Ryan Ellett, Danita Hersey, I think is how we decided that we were going to pronounce that, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Ronald Roy, Tony Simpkins, David Garner, and Darren McClellan. And thank you to everyone who's ever been a patron, past, present, and future. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. All right, I have no post-credits conversation to say. Um, So, Kitty, most memorable moment... Of the last three weeks of your vacation. The three M's. Most memorable moment. Um, I don't know. Wow, there was no failures in your vacation. (laughs) Wow. Um, Or successes. (laughs) All successes. Um, there's nothing that exciting. I don't know. I'm sure something will come to me later, but I'm very (laughs) tired and put on the spot. Sounds like a super uh, awesome Spencer vacation. Caught, I guess that's Spencer what you get really when you go to the fish. UP in Minnesota. Um, How big was it? My children, it was, it was 26 big. inches, 26-inch 20, fish. Oh, wow, that's... In the walleye, in case anyone cares. That's pretty decent. That's yeah. like two feet long, over two um, feet long. Almost 0.6 meters for those who are doing metric stuff. Yeah, I got nothing. That's it? <laughs> All right, that's fair. Fletcher, most memorable moment bum, bum, in the past month. Uh, most memorable moment. So we've been taking uh, my dog, Marty, to swimming lessons. I know it's like a thing, but she is terrified of the water. She does not want to go into the water at all. We even got like way back months ago, we got like a little kiddie pool and like put some water in it. And she was like, yeah, nope, I'm not going in that thing. We're like throwing treats. We would put her in it, and she was like, I just want to get out of this. And she's a golden retriever. She's a water dog. She has webbed toes. She should be good at swimming. Um, so we're taking her to uh, these doggy swim classes. Uh, I know. It's like the whitest people I know, right? Like, let's take a dog <laughs> um, But I got a lot of really cute pictures of my dog uh, terrified uh, swimming. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Aww. I'll share them with you. <laughs> I definitely want to see them. Um yeah, for me, so Becca is turned, oh, what, what is, oh, so she's like 10 and a half months now. 
And she is one of the slowest, well, I don't know, because I've just had Zachary. So of the two kids I have, she still is not crawling. She has no interest in crawling. She has no interest in really doing anything. But she started rolling around a lot so she can roll to wherever she wants to go. But two days ago, <laughs> I had her laying on the bed and she sat up from laying down, which is the first thing time she's done that. And I'm like, all right, I'm taking that as a success. You're not a broken child. I will keep you for another week and we'll see what happens. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I think my most memorable moment really is just, I don't know. I just love hanging out with these kids. They're, they're like really, really cool. So I don't know. Leave it at that. End of show.